0: You have joined us today in the midst of a series on Exodus. If you've been with us, we started quite a while ago, took a summer break around the Psalms that talked about God's love for the world. Each of those Psalms, a different window into that reality and that truth, which we're going to revisit today, God's love for the world. The passage before us in Exodus 18 is as a transition point uh, in this narrative. Narrative, by the way, is a different kind of literature than epistles and prophecy. And one of the features of a narrative is story. I mean, that's what it is. It's a story. It's a true story. It's a historical, historically rooted story with real people. And, and as we go through Exodus 18 today, you're going to meet real people. Uh, one named Jethro that you only know a little bit about, if anything. But through Jethro and his relationship with Moses and what comes out of this narrative, this story, this episode, is a remarkable, beautifully com- compelling story of what happens <clears throat> when, when the truth and the reality of the story unfolds. We're going to see uh, the beauty of God and his, and his intent and His purposes. As you rethink today with me the story that narrates our own lives. Because your life has a, a, a driving narrative to it. Something is driving it. Something is forming that life that you live. It may be, I've really messed up. And I'll never get where I thought I was going to go. Or it may be that things have happened that I cannot undo that I wish I could. Or it may be that confidently, arrogantly, I can master whatever life throws at me. There's a chance that you're somewhere between those or back and forth between those. But there's a narrative and a story that shapes our lives. What we're going to see here is a story that awakens us and forms a community, a particular kind of community. I want to invite you today to give your attention to the reading of God's Word. This is Exodus chapter 18, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 27. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eleazar, for he said, The God of my father was my help. And delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? God. be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, you will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father in law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, would you now meet with us as we sit before you, as we we look to you, as we ponder the word that you have given us this day through this chapter. We pray that you would be our teacher. Open our eyes. Prompt us to faith and love and obedience. Taking hold once again of the of the beauty of the one who loves us and delights in us, Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's. Um, it's a story, all right. It's a story, and uh, if you were paying somewhat attention or if you go back and look, you'll notice that this story begins and ends as Jethro enters and Jethro leaves. And in the midst of... Jethro's arrival and departure is where we find ourselves. If you were here last week, or if you look back at the previous chapter on your own, you would see another story about a group of people called the Amalekites. The Amalekites represent the world opposing the progress of the Lord's people. That's what happened last week. And here we are right back in a similar Setting where the world represented by Jethro is, comes into accepted membership of the Lord's people. On the one hand, the Lord opposing, but here we see the world being embraced through Jethro coming into the community of faith. We're supposed to catch that, I believe. We're supposed to catch the fact that Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. Did you hear that? Twelve times? Did you hear that? <laughs> it's a feature of the story that we're supposed to attend to. There's things about the structure of the story and the, and the way it's put together that are interesting and helpful. We find these, it's two days, just like chapter 17 was two days, where Moses is weary day and, and, he, gets re, and he gets relief. Uh, here again, Moses is weary from this arrangement that needs arranging. <laughs> that Jethro helps with, and Moses is relieved. But there's things about the structure that are interesting, but more important than the structure of this chapter is its theme. And here it is. What we're going to hear and see in this episode is the story of God's relentless love and your infinite value. The story of God's relentless love and your infinite value is a story that awakens our hearts and forms a community, but a particular kind of community. And that's what I want to unpack with you today. We're going to see the story that awakens our hearts, the story that forms community, and and a story that forms a particular kind of community that reflects His beauty to the world We see this first one, the story itself is, is wrapped up. It's, it's the heart of this first block, uh, verses 1 through 12. Verse 1 sets the scene where we are reintroduced to Jethro. Now, I say reintroduced because uh, you would, it would have been a while ago, like Exodus 2, whenever that was, where you met Jethro. It's when, it's when Moses had killed an Egyptian. You remember that? Then he fled for safety. And where did he go? He went to Midian. Which, if you look at a map, it's the, it's the next place that you come to when you head north from the, from the wilderness where all the wanderings took place, or taking place. You go, you go through the wilderness and you come out at Midian on the other side of, of, of a body of water where Jethro and his family, including seven daughters, live. And you'll remember the story, perhaps, or go back and look at it at Exodus 2, where, where Moses... Falls in love with one of Jethro's daughters and works the land. He he cares for the sheep uh, longer than he bargained for. If you remember, he he did what he was required to do, and then and then it turns out uh, he, he he does what he needs to do, and he leaves with a wife, Zipporah. And Moses returns from Midian back to back to to this to Egypt. And, and there's where this story actually restarts. It's this remarkable story that begins with plagues and, and, it, and it, it ends with a Passover and it ends with this miraculous, God oriented, designed escape. And it, and it includes God's provision for his people again and again. And this is, who, this is the story that we're stepping into. Apparently, Moses had sent his family back to Midian, his wife and two sons that are now coming back with Jethro. Probably when things were going to get hot with, with uh, Pharaoh, Moses says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you, you home to be with your father, take our two sons, and we'll reunite. This is that. This is the reunion of Moses and his family. Jethro returns. Uh, the, the exchange and the delight as, as Moses would have seen the family coming over the horizon and running to, to see his family, no doubt. And the warm embrace and the stories that begin. Uh, we're not told everything about the family. that part of the family reunion, which surprises us. That's not how we would write the story. This story focuses on Moses and his father-in-law. We're supposed to get that. Twelve times we're told Moses' father-in-law and Moses are in dialogue. But what we, what we do learn is that they, they checked on each other's welfare. That's what we do uh, on the front steps. That's what we do in the parking lot if we had one. That's how we, that's how we operate. How are you doing? What's new with you? Well, they... they, they They swapped stories about each other's welfare, and then it says they went into the tent. The tent was where Moses would sleep, it's where he would preside or meet, have have those confidential meetings. But Jethro comes into the tent with Moses, and we can suppose that they sat on blankets on the dirt that were covering the dirt. Uh, There was no doubt something in there, some kind of refreshment, maybe cups of wine or something to chew on. But a gathering began in the tent. And Jethro says to Moses, tell me the story. Caravans had probably made their way to Midian. It may be that Jethro knew something of deliverance, but Jethro was sitting face-to-face with Moses, and he says, tell me the story. And Moses says to Jethro, you won't believe it. (laughs) Jethro, you're not going to believe this. And he goes all the way back and and most likely would tell the story of the plagues. He would talk about the night of the blood covering the the doorposts of the homes that, that the people of God lived in. And the death and the screaming of the death of the Egyptians firstborn. And what that sounded like, and what it was like to huddle in their home safe. Then, Then the story goes on that when we when we finally got permission to leave, we leave, and then Pharaoh changes his mind and he's chasing after us. And then there's the sea in front of us, and we're trapped. And then Jethro, you won't believe this. But with my staff, the waters parted. And we escaped. But not Pharaoh's army. They were destroyed. And on the other side, we sat down and we wept. And we told the story and we celebrated God's deliverance. And Jethro, we kept going and... And we're wandering, we're following this pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud by night. And God is leading us. But, but Jethro, it's not a straight line. It's a long and winding road. And one day we're headed this way and the next day we're headed that way. And the people get hungry. And they come to me and they're complaining and they're grumbling. And, and Jethro, you won't believe what happened. God provided this thing called manna. We've got a jar of it that I can show you. Come take a whiff of the food that nourished us day after day. And there was only enough for one day. And then it was gone. If we kept it, it would would rot. But God fed us day by day. And then it it wasn't long after that 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 we ran out of water and we couldn't find water. And the people started complaining. They wanted to go back to Egypt. But God provided water for us in the midst of the desert. And then it was just the other day that we were swarmed and attacked by the Amalekites. And once again, my staff, I held my staff up and, and, and... My friends held my arms up, and and as long as my arms were raised, we were winning the battle. And when I dropped my, my arms, we were losing. But we won the battle. But it was the Lord fighting for us. Jethro, you wouldn't believe the story. It's one thing after another. Now, I told you that in about four minutes. It takes an hour to read the narrative of the plagues all the way up to where we are. Try it sometime. Or just use your app. It's about an hour story. How long do you think Moses and Jethro were in the tent? I'm going to guess it was most of the day. They may have got out to a stretch to get some air to refill their, their cups. But don't you know, Jethro said, "Now yeah, tell me, tell me that again. Or what happened when that happened? Or who was it that was holding your arms? Or what is manna? You know, there was some dialogue. There was some Q and A. There was a story that that Jethro heard Moses tell, and Moses was delighted to tell the story. That's what happened in the tent." It's actually summarized very concisely when we read that he heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. But it's a story that between the two men, we know that that that's what the story focuses on. Verse 8 tells us that, that he talks about the great saving acts of the Lord, and it's one after another. Talks about hardships they had met along the way, verse 8. On one level, this is a story of deliverance, provision, and forbearance. Isn't it? Deliverance, provision, protection, and forbearance. That's on one level, that's what this story is. But I want to suggest it to suggest that there's another layer to that story. The deeper layer and the truth underneath that story is a story that awakens our hearts because it's a story of God's relentless love and your infinite value. Why would a God do what he did? It's because he had set his affections on a people and said, You're mine, and I will do everything it takes. To make you mine and to protect you and to bring you. It's not simply the details on the surface that make the news. The headlines that would have been the, the reporters would have reported. A fascinating story. Headlines. It's a story of God's relentless love and his infinite value. And when I want to ask you today... What is the story that drives your life? What is the narrative that shapes you? Is it his relentless love and your infinite value? Well, that's what Jethro heard. And the reason that I think we can say that it transformed his life is how the text reads. Um, In verse 11, after hearing all this, Jethro says this. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Now I know. We don't know much about what Midianite priests did, other than they were priests. We know that Midian was a son of Abraham. So, a descendant of Abraham. And so when Midian made his way and left the people of God and landed at another geographical area that took his name, Midian, that it was that some of the, the Hebrew faith went with it. But it was also a very syncretic part of the world where you take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and a little bit of that, kind of like, oh, let's say, Middle Tennessee. <laughs> very syncretistic. Where some of this and some of that and maybe more of this and you've got something else. That's probably what a Midianite, Midianite priest's world revolved around. We know uh, Jethro has gone by another name besides Jethro. In Exodus two, he's he's called Ruel. Ruel and Jethro are the same person. They went by he went by uh, two names. Not sure why. But Ruel means friend of God. Ruel, Jethro, had a God orientation to his life. We do know that. Maybe like you. A God orientation. A God awareness, a sense of God. But not really sure who he is. Not really, really sure. Don't miss this. Jethro hears the story of the saving acts of God. And how does he respond? He rejoices and says, now I know. It was the story that Moses told of the saving acts of God that awakened Jethro's heart. And that can awaken your heart and our hearts. The story of God's saving acts, his deliverance, his relentless love and your infinite value, that awakens your heart like no other story. I mean, we're looking all over the place for a story that animates our lives, that gives meaning and purpose and direction. And we look this way and that way and there's one right in front of us. The story of God's relentless love and your infinite value. You can spend your whole life trying to prove that you're valuable. And God says... I got that. It was his relentless love for his people and their infinite value. That's you, church. His relentless love of you, his pursuing, ongoing. Nothing gets in the way, including my grumbling and my complaining. Nothing gets in the way of his relentless love. Now I know, says Jethro. We hear that again a couple of other times in the history of redemption. It was, not, it, was, it was in 1 Kings 17 where you will read one day, the widow's son was raised. The widow's, the, when the widow's son was raised by the prophet, the woman said to Elijah, Now I know, like Jethro, Now I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord is in your mouth. And that's true. It was Naaman, when Naaman the king was was healed of leprosy, his servant Gehazi returned to the prophet, to the man of God. He and all his company. He came before him and he said, Behold, now I know that there's no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now I know. In each case, for Jethro, who hears the story of God's saving acts, for for the widow, for Gehazi... God had done something impossible that changed the situation. Just as He has in your life. He's done something impossible that has changed your situation, your status, your relationship to Him, His provision for you. It changes the whole story. And there's where our heart is awakening. We say, now I know. The story that awakens... Our hearts is a story we need to hear. That's the first point. (laughs) Two others. The second one's quick. The story that awakens our heart is a story that forms community. Did you notice what happens when the story is told? Jethro says, wait right here. Moses says, Aaron, go get the elders. Jethro goes to prepare a sacrifice. That's with animals. That took a little while. So did gathering the elders, and they all assemble together and they eat bread. We're read, we read together. It wasn't just bread, they, they had a meal. They, they celebrated a meal together. It's a covenant meal that we're seeing here where Jethro is brought into the family. It's not just a potluck. No, there's something sacramental about this. They're gathered around the story of the saving acts of God and and Jethro has brought not just a sacrifice, he's brought offerings. And those offerings are are not simply a, a display of his new devotion. There's something costly involved. We'll come back to that. It forms a community. Remember, this is... A Midianite priest coming into, <clears throat> into the people of God. It's as if the world has come into the camp of God. That's how Alec Motier puts it. <clears throat> uh, I found this helpful. I hope you will. Uh, he writes, from Genesis 12 onwards, that's where the promise is made to Abraham. From Genesis 12 onwards, the concentration on Abraham and his family in the story is such that we could easily think of his descendants walking through an empty landscape and overlook how densely the land of Abraham's no bad days were populated and how Israel too lived and walked amidst the wider world of large empires and small nations. This picture, that false picture, is corrected when suddenly in the person of Jethro, the world out there walked right into the center of Israel's camp. The story that awakens Jethro's heart forms a community where the world comes in and takes hold of the promises of God. The invitation, the door is open. In fact, the purposes of God were never just for Israel, were they? It was to be a light to the world. So we read in Isaiah 60, Nations shall come to your light, church. Kings to the brightness of your rising. You are representative of the kingdom of God on this earth. And as you tell that story, and as you reflect my beauty, the world comes. And most of us in this room are in that group. Any converted Jews in here? Or are we Gentiles? (laughs) Are we a part of that gathered people of God who... Where Jethro is is a window and a picture of the world coming to God. Thanks be to God for a promise that extends beyond Abraham but to a world. One last thing on that. Had God not led Israel through the desert instead of the way of the Philistines, into a trap by the Red Sea and subjected them to disappointment and Mara, and hunger and thirst and assault, they would have nothing to say convincingly to the world. In other words, the Lord's dealings with His people establish a convincing testimony to the world. And this is the part of the purpose behind them. He is up to something that long and winding road actually had a purpose because there's a story to tell that is compelling and, and, and convincing to a world that's asking. And, Jeth- and Jethro is a picture to us of what Paul will write later the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Those identity markers, like Midianite and whatever else marks you, those identity markers, those are obliterated by the gospel. Because what, what, would, what would distinguish us doesn't separate us through Christ. That he is the one who, who brings people together around himself in the promise of God's work in the world. The story that awakens our heart forms community. The third point is this. It forms a particular kind of community. It forms a community that reflects God's beauty to the world. And here's how I want to get at that. Just three things real quickly. It's a community that refuses to let conflict divide them. That's that's the kind of community that that we would be that that shines beauty of God to the world. We're a community that does not let conflict divide. Where do I get that? Well, day two of this two-day episode, people are standing in line to meet with Moses. Moses. They're gathered all around. They, can't, they can't, got a, can't get in and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting longer. What keeps you waiting in line? I mean, when, you, when you're going for something and you see the line is a whole lot longer than you expect, maybe, maybe they're out the door and you've got an appointment and you can't wait, so you end up somewhere else. How long would you wait for Jenny's ice cream? A Driver's license, Garth Brooks tickets. How long would you wait? If there's something on the other end that of, of, of value, you, you stick it out. These people stuck it out. What, what Jethro observed was a long line. <laughs> and why were they in line? Because they were not going to let conflict divide them. Did you hear what Moses said when Jethro says, what's, what's going on here? He says, Well, when they have a dispute, they come to me and I make a decision. They're, they're going to get a remedy. They're going to get a, a judgment. They're going to get a verdict, hopefully in their favor. Uh, we could imagine that some people standing, that were standing in line, each other, saying, Well, we haven't been able to figure this out, but he's right up there and, 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 we're, th- and we're next. Uh, they're not going to let. Conflict divide them. Unlike so many, when conflict surfaces, we're gone. We're out of here. My way or the highway. Ken Sandy knows more about conflict than I ever will, and he writes this. <clears throat> Conflict is a normal part of life. As you live, as long as you live around other people, you're going to find your opinions and actions bumping up against someone else's. Someone, sometimes you will be able to simply back off and go your own way. But you've probably discovered that sometimes walking away doesn't work. Many relationships are too important to walk away from, some issues are too big to give into. Some people just won't let go until they get everything they want. Add a variety of intense emotions to the mix, and conflict can get very messy and painful. Do you know anything about that? You know, part of the issue is subjectivity. Uh, We only see one side, our side. Uh, Our view seems so reasonable, so logical. But when we choose and remember that we're not going to let conflict divide us, we stand in line. We we, we wait. We're not going to let conflict divide us. That's a kind of beauty of God that we are to, to reflect to the world. And when you see people working through conflict, what does that say? Wow, how did they do that? Why did they do that? As we work through conflict, As these people are intent on doing, there's a story to tell and a beauty to reflect. It's a community that refuses to let conflict divide them, but it's also a community that is ordered by God's word. You know, they're standing in line for Moses, and what does Moses give them? It's not his best shot. You know, sometimes that's all I have to give uh, someone that's asking a question. I can give you my opinion. But that's not what Moses is delivering. He's not delivering opinions, his own. He's bringing wisdom from God. He's, he's there to declare the laws and the, and the precepts and the principles and then to apply them. That's what's going on. And that's why they're standing in that line. Because Moses is not just a good communicator, he's got God's truth their intent you see not only simply it's not simply on getting a resolution but getting a resolution that's rooted in truth of who God is and what's right and what's wrong You see, they they wanted to get this. And that's why Jethro's advice is so critical to this, because it's not just to relieve Moses of his burden, it's to make sure that those those decisions got made in in an appropriate way, in a responsible way to all of Israel. That's what he's after. It's not just to relieve Moses of his burden but to get the word of God into the lives of the people of God in a way that helps. You know, <clears throat> when you read through the second day about the division of labor, assign, assign, find, find those that you can trust. Uh, it's not just that they're trustworthy. That's one feature. words, they fear God. And so it's not just Moses, but these heads of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. They're they're standing before other people bringing a fear of God and a a love for his truth. It's not just their opinions. It's rooted in truth. It's rooted in revelation. The tough cases still go to Moses. But we're getting this down into the families in groups of ten. You see, what they wanted was not just a system of lower courts and higher courts and a supreme court as such, but, but Jethro's advisor is making arrangements whereby the Word of God is made available right down to the smallest group, the extended family. So that, and here's, here's what it's about, so that daily life could be ordered according to what the Lord had revealed through Moses. That's what's supposed to mark... Our community, awakened by the story of God's saving acts, but a community that that does not let conflict divide us because we're, we're a group or a community formed by that story and ordered by God's Word. There's this beautiful promise in Ezekiel. And it's not about a line that you stand in. But it's the person that you're becoming. Now, there are times to stand in a line or there are times to meet with church church leaders to, to, to work through conflict. There are times when you say, time out, let's work this out. But here's the promise about the person that you are becoming. When God says through the prophet Ezekiel, I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's a promise God has made to you. That I will put my spirit within you. That's the same place where he says, I will take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And you know when that happens? It's when your heart is awakened to the saving acts of God in Christ. When your heart is awakened, God gives you the spirit to, to live within you, to cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I have a new inclination. You have a new inclination, a new desire to be a part of a body that reflects his beauty to the world, to work through conflict, to be ordered by God's word. And it's a community that's centered on sacrifice. What was it that Jethro did? He brought offerings and a sacrifice. And I'm as sure as I can be that 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 sacrifice was not a display of his devotion, it was a display of his need for atonement. You know, when he heard stories about Israel grumbling, can't you imagine Jethro saying, Well, I grumble. When he heard stories of pride and selfishness, don't you imagine he thought, yeah, that's me. But when he heard about God's relentless love and the infinite value of the people that he loved, Jethro says, I want in. Now I know that there's a God above all gods. God's whose love is relentless and who has determined that our value is infinite. And it was an infinite cost, wasn't it, that the God who made this world gave his son. Talk about infinite cost because of your infinite value. His relentless loves pursue you. As we close, I have some questions. I've already asked one. What story is giving shape to your life But here's the real question today. Have you been in the tent? Have you been in the tent to hear the story of God's relentless love for you? Have you been in the tent to hear the story of how infinitely valuable you are? Paul says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. He gives you his presence. He is present with you. He is for you. And his love is relentless. Charles Wesley understood that too. And before we leave today, we're going to sing these words. Finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee. Lost in wonder, love and praise. Lost in wonder, love and praise. With hearts that have been awakened by his relentless love and our infinite value. Father, would you seal that to our lives and help us to see once again the, the beauty of your love for us and, and what it cost you. That it cost you your son. That we might gain life. That we might live. That we might be rescued and delivered That we would be provided for richly and abundantly. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. That we would be protected by your spirit. And that you would finish this work that you have begun in us. Lord, make us like Jethro. give us hearts that hear and respond and rejoice and declare. Lives ordered by your great love for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.